Hey, everybody, so good to see you all here. We were rehearsing this morning, uh, doing a little sound check, and we were singing the first song, Cannons. And I started getting teary-eyed, thinking about how it has been, this, this space has been occupied by really great work, ministry to vulnerable people in the neighborhood and around the city. And so God has been active here and been at work, but this is the first time in over four years there's been a Sunday worship gathering in this space. And I don't know, there's just something very moving about that and to be able to be a part of the ongoing work of God moving and doing good in the neighborhood. And um, anyway, it's so good. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to the, the space, social hall. This is called the social hall. You feel very social and hallish? Yeah? Um, is that weird over there to not just be looking at my back? Oh, okay. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Hey, well, everyone, I... Um, this is Josh Rifkin. Oh, hello, everyone. I haven't talked in a mic in a while, but um, I was kind of... You do great, Cynthia. Um, I kind of felt this morning to thank... I was just thankful thinking about the Gibbs, the Cedarbergs, the Tinnins, um, 10 years of this. Took 10 years to meet in a space and their perseverance. Mm. It's impressive. So I want to thank you, really. It's amazing that you guys have literally toiled and all those kind of words, you know, of hardship. But 10 years of kind of church planning and here we are, you know, it's amazing. It's really amazing. I just think thankful um, for you guys and thank you so much. Mm. Seriously, thank Thanks, you Riv. for all of you guys. So, Riv, oh, we love you. It's um, uh, yeah, you know, the the groves is the people gathered, yeah. and um, and and my my hope is that we just continue to really grab a hold of how it's the, pe it's the people that make something alive, right? We have this space now, which is amazing, and, and I've got a billion dreams. I started, like, I, I, well, I only started one new Slack channel, but I could probably start, like, 10 with all the ideas and the things that I'm already, like, you know, Halloween in the neighborhood, the Groves Thanksgiving, you know, like I'm already like Christmas, what are we going to holidays, right? I'm already, I've got plans, Super Bowl, right? I'm just like ready. Um, but anyway, that all includes jazz concert series, jazz concert series, yeah, theater. I, like yeah. I mean, after anyway, school programming after school. Oh, yeah. I've already talked to like 10. Anyway, oh. stuff yeah. is happening. <laughs> anyway, it's exciting. You're so gonna thank you. are going to get it all you. done this month. And yeah, I'm going to just check, <laughs> check, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just really so grateful because we, we are, we, we're the church, you know? Right. It's, it's us. And so um, you're the one, we, we together are the ones that, that move this, you know, forward and yeah. take action. And it's not, I have the idea and then I go, here you go. <laughs> like yeah. that's my, but, but for real, it's just, it's all of us together. And I've said this before, but when people have asked, I, I say this a lot, but I, just to repeat, when people ask me, what does the Groves look like in the next five years? And I always ask back, who's here? Because that's, that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be the people who have gathered and those gifts and those 
passions and that activity, that's what this community is going to be. Yeah. So as we move forward and as we think about how we can utilize the space to serve the neighborhood and serve vulnerable people and love, love, love our neighbors, as you, you might see a room or it might be a moment in a worship service or you might be at home or you might be walking the neighborhood or having a, having a drink over here on Belmont or Hawthorne and you might go, I have this idea. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Because God is active and he's alive and he uses us to yeah. do the, the good work of loving. So, um, yeah, let's do that together, yeah? All right. That wasn't even on our intro, so that's just freebie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've spent 10 years living out the, um, the experiment of, of what if uh, we really looked at the church primarily as the, like the New Testament definition of what the church is, right? The, that, that word, that Greek word, ekklesia, uh, you know, the gathered, literally in Greek, that just meant the gathering, like a gathering of people. But in the context of the New Testament, it was the people gathered around the person of Jesus. And, and it wasn't about buildings and facilities and that sort of thing. But over 10 years, we realized how difficult it was to not have a place, Right? That's one thing that, that has become readily apparent to us is that it, it really hampers our ability to invite people in, uh, be, especially when we're moving every little bit. And so it's, um, in some ways our thinking, uh, it, that is solidified, the, the definition of the church. The church is the people. And I, I echo what you say, and I'm grateful, Josh, for your thank you, but I would also say what you're kind of iterating, that if it was just the Bergs and the Tenons and us, we'd just be at our house right now. You know, that's, that's, we'd just be meeting at our house, having breakfast, praying, and reading the Bible together. Um, but it's because of folks like you that keep showing up through the difficult times, through the, the times that we lose space, through the times that even this, even, this, even though this is a, a, an improvement in our, in our perspective, for some, like I was talking about last week, this could be unsettling, another change. Oh, another venue. And so we are grateful. We're grateful that you guys want to continue to gather around the person of Jesus in a place with the purpose of loving God with everything that's in us and learning to love our neighbor as ourself. And so mm -hmm. it's, um, it's awesome, and, and I'm tired. So Yeah, yeah. Me too. So Just we, thinking about do it. This? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's jump in. Right. Um, so anybody taking kind of an epic road trip this summer? Yeah. Oh, well, you guys already did. We did our yeah, yeah, it's you Southern Cal. Right? You went all the way down to San Diego, right? Yeah, what is that? Like, is that 25 hours? Yeah, it's too long. <laughs> that's all? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's it. Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I see a hand? I saw Echo? that hand. Yeah. Oh, but you moved. Yeah, 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 yeah. That counts. Yeah, yeah. That, that absolutely yeah, yeah. counts. Yeah. How many hours was that? I think you measure that in days. Two weeks. Yeah, you measure it in weeks. Two weeks with your family in a car. Whoa. Woo. <laughs> yes. I'm staying right here, but the emotional experience is epic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 
Yeah, I would like to see, I haven't traveled enough around like Oregon or the Pacific Northwest or even really just the West. I love, I love this part of the country. It's one of the things that um, really turned my heart towards this city eventually when we were praying about where to, where to go and, and where a community like the Groves would end up um, kind of being born. And um, so I've always been drawn to this uh, area and I always think every summer like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll go and see a bunch of Oregon or a bunch of something. And then I remember Sonia doesn't really road trip, you know. Um, I don't so. really like road trips, to no. be honest with you. And, and it's because I get tense from the fighting or like the <laughs> needs represented in the back row. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it just makes my shoulders do this and then I can't relax. It's not relaxing. And then if I, and then I'll fall asleep. Yeah. So then Paul's like, well, why am I, you know, it's boring. Well, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago. Then I'm just a chauffeur. It's not really a road trip anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I'd rather fly. the world's longest Uber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. You're here, man. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember, um, speaking of moving, do you remember our move from Minneapolis, Minnesota to Phoenix, Arizona? I do remember that. Yeah. It was in a Jeep Wrangler. Yes, no, wasn't it? Nope. Oh, nope, I don't remember. <laughs> That would have been horrible. Yeah. I can't imagine making that Oh, no, drive. it was in the blazer. It was in the blazer. In the white blazer. We had yeah. packed all of our belongings and yeah. hit the road. And I remember being stuffed in that front seat. Yeah. There were things all around me. Yeah, it was me, yeah. you, and our friend Jimmy, who lives yeah. in Seattle now. Yeah. Which is funny, because we're both from the, we're all from kind of the Midwest, northern Midwest. Yeah. And we all and we ended all... up moving out this way twice. Yes, because that's where <laughs> Jesus is. But, yeah. So what yeah. was your favorite memory of that? So I saw that you had put on this note that like he was asking to ask me what my favorite memory was. And the first thing that comes to mind is something he, I think, is going to mention later. Oh. But well, it's New Mexico. I'm going to take it. No. So <laughs> we were driving as fast as we could because we're so excited, right? Like we get to go from the land of snow and ice to Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's going to be warm. I'm going to swim every day. It's just going to be glorious. That's it's right. going to be like, awesome. We can't shovel sunshine. Yeah, right? that's right. That was... I can just lay in it and get tan, yeah. right? And turns out those swimming pools are like hot tubs in the summer. It's not yeah. as refreshing as one would think. But regardless, we were excited, and so we're just like, and no children, just our friend Jimmy in the back. So it's like we can just drive all the way through. So we're just powering through. So I was taking notos well, and drinking were. caffeine. <laughs> like the pit, are you getting that pit feeling yeah, in your yeah. stomach? Because that's what happens yeah, when you start yeah. caffeinating too much with not it enough food. It was notos with Mountain Dew chasers. That's yes, what it was. It was. Yeah. It was. So we're yeah. driving through oh, the man. stunning, you know, and the, the Midwest is very flat and boring, right? Like there's nothing Especially to look to at. Because we've, we've grown we've up seen there. Cornfields. Like, cornfields, fields, yeah. soybeans, corn, right? right? Cow, yeah. farm. It's yeah. very. <laughs> Minneapolis right. is. Minneapolis is, is the outlier <laughs> of the. Anyway. So we finally get to New, Albuquerque, New Mexico is where we stop, and that was the moment that everything crashed. Like the nodos were done, no more Mountain Dew, sugar, well, caffeine. We made the mistake of stopping. That, we is that kept, <laughs> oh, that we is We should have kept it going. Had okay. we kept hitting the Mountain Dew and the caffeine pills, I think we wouldn't have had this experience there. Okay. That experience was inevitable. I just remember sitting at a subway, <laughs> like, there's my sandwich on the table, and I just am like, I can't. You can't, like, reach it? I couldn't even eat it. I was just done. Like, just dead. Like, no, nothing left. Oh. 
and, and I was like, we're not going to make it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. the road to the move ended in New Mexico, yeah. and that was at a subway, and yeah, with I a sad little anymore. sandwich. I was like, I you can't know? drive anymore. Yeah. I will kill us. I, was, <laughs> it's like, I knew it. And I'm like, okay, just, I'll, I'll eat this, and then more nodos, and we'll be fine. Anyway, yeah. oh once we gosh. had Flagstaff, the energy came back again, and we're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, Arizona is amazing. This so. is foolishness anyway. for those of you that are still in your 20s and willing to do things like this. Don't do this. This, this is, is a tale The wisdom of, from a 45-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do to, it. That yeah. We could have lost our lives driving while asleep. It was yeah. not... It's a funny story because we lived. Because we survived to tell yeah, the tale. Yeah, but it... Yeah. <laughs> that was... I remember that stop, yeah. Um, I love that. I love so many things, though. I did love the, the changing of the landscape. That was mm -hmm. awesome to me as we rolled into desert areas and mountainous areas. I loved that. Um, traveling together was awesome. I remember Jimmy waking up every time there was kind of this weird sexual scene in the Anne Rice vampire book we were listening to. It was like, that's what woke me up. I think I slept through that because I don't remember any, listening oh, yeah. to Anne Rice vampire books at all. That yeah. is not even part we, of my memory. I, would, I think I was trying to, well, I listened to the whole book. Because you're trying to stay awake. Yeah. And okay. so, but she has these weird scenes that she writes into them. And <laughs> it's not the whole book. But if you wake up every time, you're like, what are you listening to? Mm -hmm. Is this just, you know, vampiric erotica? This is not time erotica? for justifying you know? your vampire. <laughs> anyway, Thanks. it's a funny memory to me. Okay. You took my Albuquerque stop mm -hmm. memory. Um, <laughs> I think the greatest thing, though, was just that sense. You were kind of describing it. That feeling of, like, adventure and, um, and purpose, you know, because yeah. that was a very purposeful move for us. We were a part of this team that had gotten together and we had prayed for months together about um, what was next for this group of people. And what we'd come up was, we were all gonna move together to Chandler, Arizona to plant a church. That was the, the mm -hmm. vision, that was the mission. Our friends had already gone on ahead of us and we were uh, coming in right as, as things were getting started. We actually flew Mm -hmm. uh, for three or four weekends while we were finishing up our degrees. Uh, we would do our school stuff during the week and then we'd fly down to Phoenix and do a church service and hang out with friends and then fly home, do some more school stuff. And we did that three times. Yeah. Another uh, tale of, um, what do you call that? Cautionary tale. Yeah. Don't do that because we just put it on credit cards. It took a long time to pay that off. But um, sometimes you can call things faith that are foolishness. <laughs> um, and I think that's what that was. But um, that sense of purpose was awesome. And, and I was just thinking about that because I think um, it's probably like what Moses was doing in this story, right? Mm -hmm. He was setting out for this epic road trip yeah. from Midian to Egypt, which if you guys ever get to see that stretch of road, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is beautiful. Midian <laughs> to Egypt. <laughs> I don't know. We are in Exodus <laughs> chapter 4. We have been working through the book of Exodus. We are, yeah, in Exodus chapter 4. And we're going to work today, look, take a look at Exodus 4 verses 18 through 23. So if you want to look that up on your devices, feel free. Or you can just listen to us read it. That also works. Yeah, yeah. Would you, want you me to like read? to read? Sure. Exodus chapter 4, starting with the verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said, I need to return to my relatives who are in Egypt. I want to see if they are still alive. And Jethro said, Go, and peace be with you. God said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt. All the men who wanted to kill you are dead. <laughs> it's like, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, yeah. You, if you haven't, or, or if you're not familiar with this story or haven't been working through it with us, um, one of the, the reason that Moses left Egypt, um, because he was part of the royal household, right? 
uh, one of the reasons he left, or the reason he left, was he saw an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew person, and it angered him, and he, and he defended the guy and killed the Egyptian. And that put him uh, on bad terms with, yeah. with the Egyptians. And so um, apparently this seems to be describing that that pharaoh, that court, um, has ended, and there's a new administration, and so the ones who wanted to kill him, they're dead now. Mm -hmm. So verse 20, so Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey for the return trip to Egypt. He had a firm grip on the staff of God. So if you remember that staff, that was the one that God had done those miraculous um, sort of signs that he was going to be with Moses. So this was the staff that he had thrown on the ground. It turned into the snake. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah so this is the staff. So he has a firm grip Which on the staff. Which is the symbol of Pharaoh. Yeah. Right? That was the significance of that. He threw mm -hmm. down the staff. Mm -hmm. God has authority even over that. Yep. No. Yep. Verse 21. God said to Moses, when you get back to Egypt, be prepared. All the wonders I will do through you, you'll do before Pharaoh. I would like God to stop right there in the right, sentence. Right. All those awesome oh. miracles that I just did, that's what's going to happen in Egypt. There's so Amazing. many verses like that, right? you like, if we could stop halfway through, yeah. God, and just yeah. have that part of the verse. Yeah. All the wonders. I'm going to do that. Yeah with you in front of Pharaoh, yeah. but I will make him stubborn so that he will refuse to let the people go. At that point, it'd be like, so remind me again why I'm going, right? So you want me to go tell him to set people free, but you're not going to let him do that? So this seems pointless. Am, are you, right? Is this not how we would think about this? Or is it just me? No, we all think this way. No. All right, so then you are to tell Pharaoh God's message, Israel is my son, my firstborn. I told you, free my son so that he can serve me. But you refused to free him, so now I'm going to kill your son, your firstborn. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if we remember, it's the kind of the, the administration of the Pharaohs, right? Maybe another Pharaoh, but still it's that line of leadership that um, ordered the Israelite boys. Right, all murdered, the boys to be right? killed. And right. so you see this reflection of mm -hmm. the sin of this uh, group of leaders being revisited on them if they will not um, mm -hmm. acquiesce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And it, so this is the problem here seems to be, though, like you kind of pointed out, God giving Moses power and opportunity to lead, but at the same time, like an impossible task. Yeah. No, thank you. No? I would have been like, no, nah, I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So then we got to wrestle with this idea. Is this an impossible task? Right? So at, at first read, when I read through this, I thought, um, God calls and equips Moses to advocate for the Israelites. Right? Like you mentioned the snake, uh, the snake stick. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what he called it from then snake on. Snake stick. Like, this yeah. is my snake stick. Um, snake stick staff. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the hand of the leper. Uh, oh, yeah, which when he sounds put his like hand a, in kind his of a kung fu move. Hand of the lever. Yeah, and blood water, right? If you remember, <laughs> those were the three. And Science. these were all symbols. These are all symbols of power, symbols of prosperity, um, that kind of thing. And, and it, the idea that the creator God is showing himself in these signs to be legitimate um, when, and that, that this is a legitimate spokesperson for him to the Pharaoh, right? That's, that's what's going on there. But then he tells him, uh, that the Pharaoh uh, he'll be negotiating with is just going to be impossible to deal with. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but God will actually be causing him to be impossible. Uh, you know. So he tells him also uh, to threaten uh, that God will kill the firstborn, which seems like a, 
an escalation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like an escalation. Yeah, and, and negotiating tactics. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be like... Yeah, he's upping the ante, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But, so, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm, actually, there appears to be, you know, multiple problems here, right? Because did God cause Pharaoh to have a hard heart? That's something that has been debated uh, by commentators and, and um, right. biblical students uh, for centuries. Right. And I've, I've heard a lot of these discussions, right? Like, this is a really tough one for me because the text tells us that God, there, there we'll read in the text as we go through Exodus that God hardens Pharaoh's heart, which seems unfair, doesn't it? I mean, don't, do anybody else wrestle with that kind of idea? Um, so this is a tough one for me. And in the, in the end, so if I, I'm just, I'm reading commentaries, having conversations, talking to people who are a lot smarter than I am about this stuff. In the end, I tend to believe that the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, the hardening of our own hearts is revelatory, like kind of the result of our own response to God, right? Like difficulties, challenges, they reveal our character. And, and so when we're faced with adversity or the, everything is exposed, the good and the bad, the stuff where we're really great, that comes out. The stuff where we have some prob- issues and problems, that stuff also really comes out, doesn't yeah. it? But, um, but just, just thinking about this idea makes me wrestle with how much agency we have as humans, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how much power do we have to make decisions? How much say do we actually have in it? How, who we are becoming, how much of that is our own, right. our own doing and how yeah, much yeah. is our environment and how much is it yeah. God? Well, that's the conversation that, right. that you know, circles around these kind of passages. And um, even reference to this idea that Paul makes in Romans. Uh, right. Paul references this idea of, of, of God hardening Pharaoh's heart in Romans chapter 9. And that verse, uh, that or passage, ends up being a hotly debated passage between those who say um, God uh, absolutely determines who is going to be saved and who is going to be damned. Um, and, and, and then those that say, no, we still have free will. We still have mm-hmm. some level of agency. Yeah. And um, it, honestly, I end up like seeing this kind of place for both because you can see the idea that it says God is the one doing the hardening of somebody's heart. So then the, and the pushback is, well, it can depend what something is made of. And they'll use the analogy of like the sunshine, the heat of the sun, depending on what something is made out of, um, may melt it or it may harden it. Mm. If it's a stick of butter sitting out on the sidewalk, the sun will melt it. If it's um, clay that's been formed into like the shape of a brick and it sits in the sun, mm-hmm. it actually hardens, mm. right? And so there's, there's that analogy that people will talk mm-hmm. about and say, it really just depends. It's mm. I mean, kind of like you said, who God is reveals, uh, or God's presence in somebody's life or pressure uh, mm-hmm. reveals who we are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the possibility that God can choose to harden somebody's heart for a time, but maybe it's not permanent. That's kind of what you see in the Romans series of passages. The reference in Romans 9 uh, says that God can choose to harden whoever he chooses to harden. But later in uh, chapter 11, he talks about how those same people, because he's referencing the people of Israel, how they can be um, woven back in to the branch. They can be softened again. And so all of these ideas kind of run together in Scripture. And, um, and I think it's why the debate still goes on today. You know, if there's still debate, you can rest, rest assured 
that um, there's not like a ironclad, we won the fight kind of passage, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but where we land is kind of in that idea that, well, I, I land a little more in, hey, if God wants to harden somebody's heart, he's God. He knows he's just, he's right. Um, and, and I hope that it's not permanent. I hope that it is for a greater purpose. And that's kind of, mm -hmm. that's where I end up landing on that. Mm -hmm. you know, the other thing that this brings up with this idea of God hardening Pharaoh's heart, um, one thing that I thought of was like the long-suffering nature of our existence as humans. Like how long do we have to endure mm. certain things, right? Yeah. Like why didn't, why didn't God just miraculously, mercifully rescue Israel, right? Yeah. So in my idealism, why doesn't God just rescue? He's God. Like rescue the slaves, get them out of there, and he's God and he's good. So then like also save the heart of Egypt, right? Like right. make Pharaoh's heart soft and good and like let's have this great, kingdom of peace and right yeah like this is how so it's interesting all all that i will say about that is that it's good to wrestle with scripture and to take your questions in the areas where you're like i don't quite agree with like to yeah. go man i don't understand at minimum whoa god disapproves of that god is like <laughs> enough sonia i said what i said <laughs> yeah no that um it's good to wrestle and it's good to um, at minimum, I go, man, there is something about the way these writers experience and understand God that is different than me. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something about God that I am not, right? Like, it's good to just, I think sometimes we have a tendency to avoid and go, well, I don't really like that God who does that, so I'm not going to wrestle. But it's just, it's good to wrestle with it. Yeah. It's good to have the conversation, and just be honest. And that's contrary to the about... way that we learn as students, even in our Western system. Our Western system of learning is like, give me a set of facts, I memorize these facts, and now I know this stuff, mm -hmm. right? Whereas I, I think the way we're supposed to learn this is the way we learn about any relationship or a person is that it is ongoing, it is uh, shifting, it is perspective, it is experience by experience and and I know that can feel like um, a little too shifty for some people so I I'm not saying there aren't things that are bedrock like the character of God I believe is bedrock it is as we learn about it we can understand it but things that are gray are worth wrestling with mm -hmm. and even if you wrestle with them your whole life yeah because I'm you're so... constantly engaging I think with the presence of God with the Word of God and it'll shape you it'll change you mm -hmm. Yeah. Another problem. Another problem. Can I ask you a question? You can. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. So, um, <laughs> do, you, do you know the context of, the, of that, like, the heart, like, God should take the heart of the heart? Is there any debate on, like, the, um, like, interpretation of that? Like, it, like. The, you're referencing the, like, here in Exodus or the Romans passage? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I said Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, oh, well, God, you know, like, God's allow things. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, God wouldn't choose to run this in my heart. Like, he might allow it, but we make our own choices. Yeah. Like, this is where I stand. Well, but I'm like, reading it in. Yeah. I have something to say about this in a little bit. Yeah, I mean. He was starting to steal some of my excitement at the end. It's okay. But no, I'm Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to respond then? No, well, I. No, well, yeah. I want to get to it. We'll get there. We'll get there. I want to get there. Yeah, do you want to say something? I'll go for it. Yeah. So, just because God is hardening Pharaoh's heart, 
to not let the Israelites go doesn't mean that God's hardening his heart to a relationship with God. Yeah, right? there you go. So this is a man who's claiming to be a God, uh, yeah. who is yeah. in opposition to God. Mm -hmm. And even if he let the Israelites go, it doesn't mean he would start to be hunky-dory with God, right? Yeah. Um, so God could have hardened a particular political decision yeah. without hardening his whole thing. <coughs> Just Yeah. That's how I resolve it. No, and I think that's that's right. What we're going to see, I wasn't going to bring this up today, but what we're going to see as we uh, move forward in these passages is creation theology all over this stuff. Yeah. And the way the storyteller uh, is writing this stuff is exactly what you're saying is going to be the the battle of the creator God against chaos yeah. and the and um, chaos being represented in the Pharaoh and his resistance and it is he becomes the anti-God figure throughout the entire fight. Yeah, um, so, like, we tend to read the Bible and we'll take these phrases, and we jump to the, oh, this is salvation. Yes, yeah. This is relationship with God, when it might be very small. Yeah, it's really good, Joe. Thank you. Does that help answer your question? Yeah. So, the, the answer to your whether or not there's debate, there's absolutely debate on this, um, as to whether or not um, this was the... Um, Pharaoh just it's who he is he's responding to that because he thinks of himself as a god so he, he's going to be hardened by this and then there are those that are more um, in what we would call the, the, the camp of Calvinism that are like and they you could argue are reading back into the Old Testament text through the Romans text uh, this idea of Calvinism of salvation being yeah. attached I got the leg touch of like this is going to take too long we got to Keep moving. Yeah. Nerding up here. <laughs> Losing the crowd. Yeah, here yeah, we go. Yeah. It's okay. warm in here. I know. Let's go. Let's do some jumping jacks. Okay. The next problem. <laughs> <laughs> I read this. I did not read this. Why is God threatening to kill Pharaoh or Egypt's firstborn? Yeah. Tell me. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying that's a problem. Right? So we get to the end of the text and it's like, also tell, God is telling Moses, also tell him I'm going to kill his firstborn. Yeah. Which, first of all, I, don't, I would not want to be with that, coming with that message. And then second, I don't like that. Right? Like, it brings to light these ways in which I see God differently, like I was saying before. Where yeah. God poised and ready to kill is not my preferred image or posture of God. Right? right? So when I read this text, I am confronted Right? With how I view God, how I see him, who he is, yeah. and um, who he, yeah. Anyway, that's all that I'm saying. Did you have something more resolute to say? No, because okay. I don't actually think there's resolution with this yeah. stuff. I think it is difficult, and it is a whole teaching series yeah. in and of itself. In a culture, in a context, yes. in a, yes. 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 But if you want to talk about it, Joe is actually a great person to talk about with this stuff to get... Uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the different perspectives on it. Mm -hmm. I'll just volunteer him. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, is, it, is a, it is a challenge to our modern sensibilities, for sure. And that's a big part of in the reading. disconnect. And I just want to point that out because a yeah. lot of times when we read Old Testament stories, and even in conversations that I have with my friends who are not believers, they're like, Old Testament God is really brutal. Yeah. I don't, like, that's not a God who I, I, that doesn't seem like a God I want to worship or love. Right. And so I think it's just good to just say this, let's be honest about what the text is saying and how it, how, where it places us and, and how we wrestle with that. Yeah. So. 
And so finally, did God put Moses in an impossible scenario of God's own making, right? And so if, if God puts his people in seemingly impossible scenarios, it is to serve his goals of liberation, transformation, and salvation of his creation. That's what I see when I look at the entirety mm -hmm. of the story. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one thing we always have to keep in mind. It's, that's why the wrestling to me is so important, because one story um, isn't a complete revelation. It is all in a context, a literary context, a historical context of the entirety of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And the person who is in pursuit of God will um, suspend judgment while they learn and while they um, try to discover more of who God is. Um, in this text, God's message is, is freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you want to? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to do that. <laughs> Like, I, don't know. I didn't want to jump yeah, in. Yeah, I just on want your to note. say this. You know, I want to say this again. What Paul just said. So, when God puts His people in seemingly impossible scenarios, it is always to serve God's goals of liberation, transformation, and salvation. So, I think that that's something to keep in mind. Like when we see impossible situations, God is setting God. You know, and we'll see this played out in the story of Exodus. But it is in the purpose of which we can't always see, especially when we're in the middle of it. But God's purposes um, are liberation. God's purposes are transformation and salvation, and those things are getting worked out. Right. Um, um, yeah. Um, oh, were you going to say? <laughs> oh, I thought I saw a hand. Sorry. No, no. Okay. I'm like what? Okay. Um, so this is this is what the hope that I think we grab from this text. Our God, as understood by Scripture from this story, is the God of the impossible. Now I've heard that phrase before. People have used that cliche. God is the God of the impossible. Usually when they're trying to encourage me about something that is really difficult, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Oh, don't worry. You know, God is God of the impossible, and I'm like, oh, I don't really. But true. But but this is really sinking in for me this time as we were going through this text. Like every prophetic notice from God includes, even if not explicitly stated, that you can repent. There is always this hope for change. Yeah. There is always this window of opportunity in this place for transformation. An example of that is the story of Jonah, right? Jonah is told by God to go tell the city of Nineveh, God's going to destroy you. You guys are terrible people. God's going to destroy the whole thing. Never does Jonah give like, but if you do this, like he never says that. He's like, this is just the, this is the notice from God. Mm -hmm. You've been warned, right? Right. And you've been served, right? <laughs> and the king of Nineveh is like, what, like get, goes into repentance mode, right? Yeah. And God changes his mind. Yeah. And I think this is the illustration and the story that we see again and again and again in scripture where some, there, there can even be a judgment. There can be an indictment made, but there is always this opportunity when there is repentance, when there's change, when there's a turn, right? Yeah, yeah, from yeah. wickedness, when there's a turn from our you know, ways, when there's a turn towards God, there's always this opportunity for transformation. Um, even the hardened heart, hearts of stone, right? Mm. Even the hardened heart, we have that language of hardened heart with Pharaoh, hearts of stone in, in Ezekiel, right? right? The, hearts the hearts of stone, of this is what God promises. Our hearts of stone can be turned into hearts of flesh. He'll trade those out. Um, and then Paul referred to Romans 11, which even talks about this story from Pharaoh. And the metaphor is of branches being grafted in. This, right? Have you ever, any of you work with plants, the things, live deals, grafting in things? Okay, this, this idea, this metaphor that Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans is that there are branches that have been cut off, mm. right? 
and new branches have been grafted in. And the story at the very end of that is that even the branches that were cut off can be grafted in. And that's the God of the impossible. The God like, where things have been broken, where things have been destroyed, there, nothing is irreparable right, for God. Right. Nothing, absolutely nothing is. Um, even in, in, in another um, text that I thought of, Matthew chapter 19, where, um, you know, where the disciples are like, if he can't be saved, who can be, right? Yeah. Like this impossible task. Who can be saved? Who can be a part of the kingdom of God? And he says, well, it's impossible for humans. There's nothing that you can do to do that, but with God... All things are possible. Yeah. And so when we think about that, even to the point of salvation, right, nothing is impossible for God. Yeah. The most hardened heart, the most challenging relationship, the most difficult scenario that we have going on in our lives, there's nothing that is impossible. Even death is overcome, right? right? Yeah. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, let me step back. <laughs> the Jews would never be free from the imperial power. So, from the you know, Assyria, the Babylonia, to the Hellenistic, all the way to the Romans. Only about 100 years during the Maccabean period that we can see a freedom, a little freedom uh, uh, mm-hmm. of Jews. So, if you see this text, I was hoping we could bait Eka into a little bit of preaching. Um, <laughs> so our new friend Eka. He's it. a New Testament professor at uh, George Fox uh, Seminary starting this fall. Um, and so I'm hoping to 
maybe getting to come up to this seat sometime. Um, but thank you for sharing, and, and, and sorry if I just outed you as a, a theological professor that everyone, but this is actually his area of expertise that he has been studying, is the plight of the vulnerable and the oppressed uh, as a theological uh, expression throughout the entirety of scripture. And um, we've had some wonderful conversations just at dinner. So he is another person I would point you to and say, hey, uh, chat with Eka about this stuff. This is. We have some Old Testament we, and some New Testament. Oh my love. gosh, you guys, How are we not rich? This? With oh my we are rich yeah. with just wonderful minds and wonderful people yeah. in this place. It is yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I have to ask myself, is it fair mm-hmm. for how many kids died yeah. in Israel? Oh, yeah. yeah. For how many Israelites were slaughtered? Yeah. For, and yeah. for how many would potentially by killing a few Egyptian, and these aren't kids, these are grown men who are just mm-hmm. next in line, right? Yeah. Yeah, from an eye for, uh, for an eye kind of perspective, yeah. yeah. Right. And so, yeah. but it challenges us. It pushes on our yeah. Oh, yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. our culture, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, um, moving on. I, I saw this same kind of um, theme, the idea of uh, God giving folks he sends out kind of impossible tasks that are impossible without him uh, in the person of Jesus. I mm-hmm. immediately thought about... Um, how Jesus turned to his disciples when he had gathered the 5,000, uh, and he's like, how about you feed them? This is what the story says. Um, now, when Jesus heard this, he went away from there, privately in a boat, to an isolated place. But when the crowd heard about it, they followed him on foot uh, from the town. As he got out, he saw the large crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Uh, when evening arrived, his disciples came to him saying, This is an isolated place, and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the village and buy food for themselves. But he replied, "Uh, they don't need to go. You give them something to eat. That always is just so striking to me. And they, you know, I would expect them to be like, "Uh, yeah, we can't. You know, I think there's another passage where this happens, and I think uh, there is some more pushback. In this particular passage, they just say, you know, well, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. That's, they're like, this is what we've got. And Jesus says, okay, bring them here to me, he replied. And then he instructed the crowds to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And you guys know the rest of the story. He blessed them, and he fed everyone, and they gathered up 12 baskets of food after everyone had already eaten, right? And some suggest that this is like, you know, the disciples just don't have enough faith. Right, that that's, that's the problem there. But I have to wonder, like, did they do exactly what they were supposed to do? Did they acknowledge what it is that they could do? Mm-hmm. You know, some are like, they should have been the ones who blessed them and, and multiplied the food. But the text doesn't say that. It, that's us reading into it. The text just says, this is what they did. And, and that's how the miracle came about. And, and this is a pattern that happens, is this idea of acknowledgement. This is what we see in Moses. I can't do this. I don't have the ability. I don't have the power. And God says, 
That's right, <laughs> you don't. Here is how this is going to happen. And so I, I see this same kind of flow of, of uh, thought in this story as, as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, kind of as we wrap up here, there are just a couple thoughts that I wanted to close with and, and that I was challenged with, the, in, with in this particular text, and maybe you are too. But this text challenges me and helps me reconsider how I discern and make decisions, right? When I see an impossible task that God is inviting me into, am I automatically saying no because the result does not look like the result that I want, want or the way in which Well, you I don't have it? to because I immediately do yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I have right. you for, right? Yeah. Am I risk adverse? Am I overwhelmed or am I analyzing to the nth degree to avoid any shame or embarrassment or yes. I'm not calling you out My or anything? Yes. Um, yeah, but maybe instead of asking, will this work? Is this end favorable? Maybe I should be asking, is this what God is asking of me? Mm. Right? When we're presented mm -hmm. with an opportunity or an option, is this what God is inviting me into? Because if it is, God of the impossible with us means that nothing is actually impossible, right. that all things right. are possible, and that he wants to invite us, actually. He wants to invite us with exactly what you're saying, five, five loaves and two fish. He wants to invite us with this little bit that we have into the impossible task of freedom right, and liberation yeah. in our world. Yeah. That's what he's inviting us into. Um, the other question that I had for myself is, am I satisfied with the results being that it's God's purposes, right? I kind of want to know, like, God, fill me in, give me the scoop, tell me all the details so that I can give my approval for whether or not this is worthwhile, yeah. right? And, and I can't see the whole picture. I don't know what my part is in the greater thing. Can yeah. I trust God in that? Um, and along these lines, I, I, I was remembering one time, so here we are, in this facility that, that is, is going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of work and a lot of grit and a lot of energy and a lot of resources, right? Money is what you Money mean. is what yeah. I'm saying. It's going to yeah. take loads of money yeah. um, and, um, and faith, you know, good yeah. faith. Um, I remember one time uh, we, love the, we sing the song Oceans quite a bit here, and it's been kind of a theme I think for us, as those of us leading worship, and we keep bringing it back, but I remember this one time. I can picture it in my mind. I'm at the piano. I look over. We're doing Oceans. Jamie's leading, and she's singing Oceans, and she's singing, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. And for whatever reason, in that moment, I was like, oh, crap. You know? Like, we are singing. We're asking for it. Like, I, I remember that, thinking... Someone needs to take this back, pull that mic away from her face. Like, we need to stop saying, inviting. She's singing it like she means She's it. She's singing yeah. it like she means it, yeah. and this is going to yeah. be dangerous. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you may call mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're, we, are, we were singing, just like pointing my finger. We were all singing together <laughs> and asking for some situations that where the Spirit of God would lead us. Mm. And those things are not, those are wild, you guys. Yeah, yeah. The Spirit of God is wild. It's not, it's not like this safe, mm -hmm. safety zone, right? It's not this like, the Spirit is, is inviting us into all the places that God will go. And, and so um, I'm just saying that's where we are now. <laughs> what is your impossible situation? Is there something you sense God inviting you into, asking you to do, that does not seem possible? Um, if that's you this morning, I, my encouragement is this. I think it means that you, you're chosen mm -hmm. by God. He loves you, and you're chosen by him. And the God of the impossible is including you in the liberation work in this world. Yes. That's the, the invitation is a call to impossibilities. Mm -hmm.
a call to challenges. So um, all you can do now, all, well, you can wrestle for a long time if you want. You can do that. You can, you can, you can wrestle and fight. Um, but, but really, what I would encourage you to do is just go. Start taking the steps. And here's the thing. We get to take the steps together. We get to do it together. We're not mm -hmm. alone in it. Yeah. We get to have each other's back. We get to hear each other's stories. We get to encourage each other along the way. So no, we don't have to do it alone. We have each other. And that, um, that's the beauty of it. So let's, let's go. Let's follow mm -hmm. the spirit together. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to pray for you us? Can. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah, let me. Yeah. <laughs> I get caught in my logistical mind, like, oh, I need to get this stuff yeah. over there. It's for the okay, song. though. Yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> so it'll flow seamlessly, right? That's what I want. <laughs> no, let's pray. God, I am so grateful for so many things this morning. God, I'm grateful for your word. Um, these stories that have been handed down for th literally thousands of years, God. That there have been those that cherished uh, the study of this and the, the scribes that wrote these things and copied them by hand and just generation after generation after generation that it comes down to us today to inspire us, to speak to us, to um, reveal to us glimpses of your character, glimpses of your power, uh, images of who you are and what it is that you long to do in this world. I'm grateful, God, that you... Um, open our minds to how that applies to the, the pain and the oppression and the brokenness of our world today, God. And I pray that you would you'd, um, you'd change us, God. And you'd let us be on your side, God. That you would you'd show us where you're at work and that, that you would invite us into that. And even when, uh, like, like Sonia was saying, even when it looks impossible, that we would just say yes and we would just go. So help us. Give us the courage to do that, Father. Give us the encouragement to, to do that, Lord. We love you, God, and we ask that you would um, continue to just change us every, every time we have an encounter with you, every, every time we uh, worship you, just shift our hearts a little more towards you, God. Lord, I thank you for this just incredible group of people that you've gathered together around uh, the name of Jesus. And I pray blessing upon all of us, God. And I pray that you'd, uh, you'd just make your face to shine on us, God, and you would just give us favor throughout this week. Lord, and just you'd bless the, this closing of this time and, and keep us safe. Thank you so much, God, for... Um, bringing us to this place today. We love you, in Jesus' name.